Thank you, Alwyn. It's working. Happy New Year. Now, it seems that the uh, sun shines brighter than it did in um, 2015. I got a bit of sunburn yesterday. Um, But you can't tell because I'm wearing my red and white striped shirt, so it's all good. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for your word this morning and, and the way that we can come and praise you in this new year. Thank you for the way that your mercies are new to us every day. And Lord, I just pray as we, we study your word and, and listen to you this morning, I pray that you would teach us, speak to each one of us, and, and comfort and encourage and equip each one of us. In your name, amen. Well, it's my privilege this morning to be able to introduce and kick off the new year a, a little um, five-week series, a five-week series on Christianese. Christianese is, is kind of the, the language or the jargon or the slang that we use as Christians that the rest of society, the rest of the world doesn't really use. Words like that's not as big as I thought it was going to be. But words like short-term missions, potluck fellowship lunches or uh, prayer walks, quiet times, baptism, I'll pray for you. Um, we pray for a, a hedge of protection around people. We pray things or start off our prayers with heads bowed, eyes closed. I'm, I'm not mocking anyone. If we've ever used these slang terms, then, then I'm not mocking you. Um, we also pray to Father God. We say a amen at the end of our prayers. We say God bless to other people. We might say um, so blessed on Facebook with the hashtag there. And then there's the 50,000 other words beginning and ending with ion-ology or ism, like eschatology or presuppositionalism. See, I can't even say it. The Urban Dictionary defines Christianese as the language that Christians use. That's pretty straightforward, isn't it? But it says, it makes no sense to anyone unfamiliar with biblical texts. It's pretty, pretty confronting sort of uh, definition, isn't it? And our five-week series is going to be on Christianese, the first week being regeneration, next week justification, adoption, sanctification and glorification. See, you can see all of those words end in I-O-N. So Christianese is is a language that we kind of speak as, um, as Christians. Secular society, or the, or the scientific definition of, of regeneration, which is our topic this morning, is that it's the process of renewal, growth, uh, restoration and new growth. So regeneration is our topic this morning, and we see in John's, John's Gospel the, the interaction that, that um, Jesus has with Nicodemus. And one of the most outstanding things that Jesus says to Nicodemus is that you must be born again. 
Nicodemus was a Pharisee and, and I want you to think of the highest of the high of all the religious leaders in Jesus' day. Nicodemus was one of those guys. There's the, the plebs like you and me. There's the Sadducees. Then there's the Pharisees. And they're the top, top ranking fellas of, of all religiousness. And Nicodemus comes to Jesus and he, he's kind of curious. He's not sure, not sure who Jesus is exactly, but he comes with a statement of, of, we know that you're from God and we know that, that you can do all these things because no one can do these things unless God is with him. But he's kind of curious and he comes and tests Jesus and questions Jesus. And the kind of answer that, Je- that Nicodemus wanted to hear from Jesus, I, I think, is that Jesus was, was going to turn around and say, yep, I am from God. Yes, I am the promised Messiah. Yes, I am the Christ. But Jesus kind of turns the question time on its head. And he, he doesn't answer the question that Nicodemus gives him. He ends up turning it back and, and asking and testing and questioning Nicodemus. There's three things that I want to look at in our passage this morning. And these are the necessity of regeneration or being born again, the possibility of regeneration and the availability of regeneration. In Jewish belief about being born into the kingdom of God, they thought that it happened automatically. In Jewish belief, they, they thought all they had to do was, was be born and they were automatically in the kingdom of God. But Jesus tells Nicodemus that, that he must be born again, that it's, it's not something that just happens automatically. And Nicodemus would have been absolutely astounded by this. You can tell I'm dehydrated. Nicodemus would have been absolutely astounded by this, this fact that that it wasn't just automatic that that he entered into the kingdom of God. There was something that that required him to do, that it required him to do. And Jesus says three times to Nicodemus, you must be born again. He uses imperative kind of language saying you must be born again, not you should, you might, you might want to think about it, you may be born again. No, he says you must be born again to see the kingdom of God. It's, it's not a, a grey area of teaching. It's simply black and white. There's being born again over on this side and seeing the kingdom of God. And then there's not being born again over here. It's that far apart. There's, there's a distinct difference between being born again and not being born again. And Jesus says that this is, this is a must. So with, with the necessity of being born again, we can see that it's a, a must. Being born again is a must. And it's necessary. Why is it necessary? Well, without 
being born again, what are we? Without regeneration, what does, what does something stay? You've all seen areas such as this um, on, the, on the screen. It's a terrible photo. This is a, a sand dune undergoing regeneration or revegetation. And without, without the area being quartered off, without being, having a boundary and, and stopping the traffic coming through, there wouldn't be regeneration or revegetation in this area. So without there being a, a distinct line of us being born again, we cannot experience regeneration. We stay in an unrestored state, an unregenerate state, which means that we're not restored to God, we're not regenerated, we don't experience new birth, new, new growth in our lives. And without being born again, we're stuck in our sinful state. Have a look at verse 6 with me, if you will, of chapter 3. Jesus says that, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So, if we don't experience being born again, we stay in a fleshly state. When the Bible refers to flesh, it refers to it as being sinful, worldly, and, and not godly. And it means that we stay in this sinful state, there's nothing we can do about it. There's nothing we can do to remove ourselves or to, to experience new growth on our own. The possibility of regeneration is from God. I want to get that clear up front because this is one of the points that I tried to, to get clear and, and it didn't kind of come to me. But in verse 4, Nicodemus questions the possibility of being born again, doesn't he? He says, how can a man be, be born again when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born again? He was questioning Jesus and saying, how can this happen? How can this happen? And he was looking at it purely from a physical point of view. And yet Jesus answers him on a spiritual point of view. He says, Jesus says, the, the verse that I quoted just before, the, that which is born of flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. There is no way that we can be born again on our own. There is no way of us being able to be, to be born again just because I decide. There's no way of us being able to be restored and regenerated, restored to God without God doing something initially first. It's through God's grace that we are able to be born again. It's through God's grace that we are able to experience regeneration, new growth, new life in our lives. In John's prologue, in his, his first chapter, he introduces the theme of his whole book and he says that, that God is the author of life. Verse 4, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. 
and verses 12 and 13 in chapter 1. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood nor of the will of, of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. Excuse me. So regeneration comes from God and God alone. It is a gift of God's grace. God is the author of life and so therefore he, ha- he has the right to give us the, the gift of new birth, new, new birth. And in verse 3, again in chapter 3, when Jesus says that one must be born again, there's another way to read this and, and the, again there can be translated as from above. One must be born from above, which stipulates that, that God is the one who gives the gift of new birth, of new life. Throughout John's Gospel, John, John creates the scene for the most pinnacle um, event in, in his Gospel and in history. That that event is the, the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it's the gift of God that, that Jesus came as a man, he interacted with Nicodemus and, and hundreds of other people, and he, he came to give himself, to give of himself. And, and it's God's gift of grace towards, these, towards his people that, that enables us to be able to experience regeneration. The next point, who is, of, of, who is being born again available to? And the answer is you. The answer is you singular, because that's the way that Jesus answers Nicodemus. He says, you must be born again singular. He looks him in the eye and he says, Nicodemus, you must be born again. But then Jesus goes on to say that you must be born again, plural. Some of the most famous verses of, of the whole Bible is um, John 3.16 and following. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. The world here can also be translated as mankind, humankind. It's, it's a gift that's available for all. It's a gift that comes from God and it's a gift that comes at, that is available for all, for all mankind. And yet not all of mankind will receive it. And as I said earlier, it's, it's a gift that comes by the grace of God. 
It's a gift that comes at, at no cost to us. And yet it came at such a great cost to God. It came at such a great cost that he gave his only son. Most of you know that I've got three daughters and um, if, if I had a son, he would be my only son. I don't know why I'm getting choked up. But he would be my only son. And if God questioned me and asked me to, to give my only son, it would come at such a great cost to me. And yet God gave it at no cost to us. God gave his only son at no cost to us. Have a look at John 3.16 with me again. And, and see where we sometimes place the emphasis. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Sometimes we can place the emphasis on God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And yet our emphasis should be God loved the world in this way that he gave. He gave his only son to be a sacrifice for us. As I've said, the, 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 the more clearer reading, and you might see that in your footnotes if you've got the ESV, the more clearer reading is, in this way God loved the world, that he gave his only son. It doesn't lessen the amount of love that God has for the world or mankind. But it stipulates that the way that God loves. It stipulates the way that God loves in that in this way God loved mankind that he gave. He gave of himself. He gave his one and only son. And sometimes if we if we overemphasize the love part of God's giving, we can end up with a, a hyper love or a hyper grace that, that kind of says, God loved me so much that it doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't matter what, what God requires of me. There's no responsibility on me. But that's not the truth. God loved the world in this way that he gave. Then the bit that, that gets us is that whoever believes in his name should not perish but have eternal life. There is a responsibility on us, folks. There is a responsibility for us to believe God, to trust God, to be born again, and to be reconciled to God. The question or the statement that I want to present to you this morning is that one that is entirely personal, one that is, is completely personal on your level, but also corporate. Have you been born again? This free gift of new life, of regeneration, of new growth that God gives us at such a great cost, to himself is available to you.
I've got to be honest with you, I didn't give you the full definition of regeneration this morning. Regeneration in scientific terms is the the process of renewal, restoration and growth that makes cells or organisms resilient to natural fluctuations or events that cause disturbance and damage. Regeneration enables us to be resilient against natural events or, or fluctuations that cause disturbance and damage. Namely, those natural events this morning is sin and death. New birth, being born again, regeneration, whatever you want to call it, enables us to be resilient by the gift of God be resilient against sin and death. It enables us to have eternal life with the Father. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 says that. Verse 17 says that, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. The old has passed. Behold, the new has come. That's a great verse, that one. I don't want you to leave this morning with with questions on your heart about what regeneration might be. Or questions on your heart about, am I really saved or not? If you have any questions, I want you to come and see myself or Pastor Duncan or one of the elders if you know who they are. And if you are not clear on whether you've been born again, we've discovered that it's a a necessary requirement to be set right with God, to be entered into the kingdom of God. We've discovered that it's a a free gift from God and that it's available to you this morning. If you are not clear on whether you've been born again, I invite you, after I've prayed, I invite you to come up the front and ask questions. Um, This will be on a personal level, not, not with a microphone or anything like that. I invite you to come up the front and talk and receive prayer because it is necessary for you to be born again in order to see the kingdom of God. And it's available for you this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this gift of regeneration that you have given us. That you have made it available to all and and Lord that you you require us to believe in you and to live our lives accordingly. Lord I pray that if there are any here this morning that that have questions on their heart that you would give them the courage to come and ask. And Lord that you would would just really impress on them the the great gift that you have given them and that it came at such a great cost to your son and that this is the only way that we can see the kingdom of God.
Lord, I just pray that you would, would just comfort those who have questions this morning and, um, and encourage each one of us. In your name, amen. If you do have any questions, please come forward.